Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Christ Center Conversations. Um, I'm with Cooper Vickers today. Um, my name is Samuel Robenheimer, and we are super excited to be able to record again today. We've got a fun scripture planned, and um, some of the thoughts that we've shared, we're super excited to talk about. Um, Cooper, would you be willing to introduce our scripture for us? I would love to. Yeah. So the scripture we're going to be reading today is in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 36. Um, and this is the chapter where he is teaching in the temple and they bring a woman taken in adultery. And then after he deals with the Pharisees, you know, asking, you know, should Moses says we should stone this woman and the, the Roman law says we shouldn't, what, what sayest thou? And then he begins to talk to those that are still there. Um, you know, this is, I'm the light of the world, et cetera, et cetera, and goes on. And during this actually very good this is one of my favorite chapters during this he does give i mean it's maybe 45 verses it's just really good he covers a lot of points but we're kind of in the middle of the entire thing where he has this back and forth with the pharisees um but yeah 36 sam would you like to read it i would love to so verse 36 says if the son therefore shall make you free you shall be free indeed I mean, I don't know, we didn't really talk about this, but I love how powerful that very last like phrase would be, ye shall be free indeed. Um, as I read this, I mean, there's a lot of things that I've studied about freedom and what freedom means and all these things, but I love how just right off the bat, it's like, why do you doubt Christ? Christ can make you free, and because he will for you, you will be free. I think there's something to say about the historical context of it as well. I mean, he's speaking to the Pharisees, but there are also just normal people in the, you know, the temple, not the, tem the temple grounds. I don't know. I don't know exactly what you would call it, but yeah, I'm not amazingly familiar with how they structured that and how. But um, when Jesus came, they weren't expecting a spiritual Messiah so much as they were expecting a physical Messiah. Yeah. Someone to free them from the Roman the Roman ruling yeah. over them um, and so for him to say that like you shall be made free um, I think it definitely it's it's striking a chord do you know what I mean yeah maybe it's not exactly what they're expecting and maybe this is him trying to explain to them a little bit as I mean as you saw throughout his ministry he he explains many times where he tries to say things, but nobody really understands him. Yeah. Uh, most of the like, gospel I found while reading it through was understood, is understood a lot better in hindsight than it was when it was given. Um, and I, I like that though, because here he's, he's talking more about spiritual freedom, right? Yeah. Um, something that I, I do love because we like talking about the meaning and how like these people were expecting him to free them or to liberate them from their capture and their um, servitude almost to the Romans. Um, the, the verse has a, I forgot what the word is, one of the little letters and then you go down at the bottom of the page. Anyway, footnote. I, yeah, it has a footnote. That is the word. So the footnote brings you to two different topics in the topical guide. The first one is spiritual bondage, and the second one is liberty. 
And I think it's interesting that both of those are used because Christ is obviously meaning, you know, he's going to free us from sin. He's going to free us from all these things. Um, and some of the scriptures that I pulled up were in Second Nephi, and I wish I was better at holding on to them. But it's talking about the bands. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, it's Alma. Yeah, Alma 5.7. It's talking about how we, uh, let's see, and the chains of hell. And so they're talking about the chains of hell and everything. And it's talking about how Christ can break those chains of hell. And those chains are sin. It's it's those things that hold us down from reaching our full potential. And in Second Nephi also, it talks about these chains of hell and how they they weigh us down. And as we break free from them, like we are able to become better. And I, I what what does that mean to you, or what do you think about when you think about that breaking free? Yeah, I don't know when when I think about it. When I think about like. If you, if you read the, the chapter, a couple of verses earlier, it talks about whosoever committed the sin is a servant to sin. And like that's why in 36, the son is making you free. Um, but I just think that like servants or servitude is generally something you get yourself into. And maybe not like fully on your own accord, right? Like addictions, etc. They're like, they're things that are temptations, they're tempting. And, but ultimately, you make the choice, yeah. um, like to get yourself into that, even if it's at a little thing, like at a, a small level that then grows into something big. And I just find it so there's, there's a beauty to it that although we get ourselves into the situation where we become the servant, we can also get ourselves out with the help of Jesus Christ. And he is happy to be there to do it, mm-hmm. to take the weight off, to take, if we take our yoke, his yoke upon us, um, he is more than happy to pick up the slack, to, to just take the weight, carry us and along, carry us, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's, there's just something wonderful about Jesus Christ. Well, there's a lot of things wonderful about him. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm thinking of an experience on my mission, um, and it kind of relates to this, and I'll, I'll come back to how it relates to this, but I was teaching a lady in my first area, um, and she ended up getting baptized three days after I left the, that area, um, which was frustrating because I would have loved to have been there. I taught her for like seven months or something like that. She was awesome, um, but we were teaching her about the word of wisdom, and like the week before, we had been teaching her and she had mentioned that she would never give up her coffee she'd never give up her wine and all the stuff and we hadn't mentioned the word of wisdom at all and we gave her the pamphlet for the word of wisdom and we didn't like usually when we gave her a pamphlet we're like this is what the pamphlet's about and like you're gonna study it and this is what we'll talk about well we just gave her the pamphlet we didn't introduce it at all we're just like will you read this before we come because we were scared and we went back and we taught her and like instantly she was like yes i'll live it right and a month later we were just catching up with her like we had been teaching her once or twice a week but we were just catching up following up with her on how she was feeling about certain commitments that she had kept and we asked her how she had been feeling about keeping the word of wisdom and she's like you know i don't really know how it's affected me you know 
And I asked her like, how are you doing on your day-to-day basis? Like, what, what does your day like look like? How are you feeling in your life? And she was like, you know, today I got up and I cleaned my entire house today without having to sit down. And I did my laundry and I went to the store and I didn't have to take a break. And we were talking about how significant that was because she was someone who struggled with a lot of leg pain and body issues because she had certain health conditions and it'll like she had a hard time doing those things before and although she could do them it was so much easier when she did stop drinking coffee and did stop breaking the word of wisdom or doing those things against the word of wisdom and it was a simple thing but the weight that it took off of her allowed her to accomplish something and i think about that like she was willing to give up those things But the true healing and power came from Jesus Christ. She received that strength and that ability because she was willing to let go of those chains, to take them off. Um, I think of like, you always watch those like cartoon videos where like the people are in jail and they're in the chains and then they like take themselves out of the chains Mm -hmm. and then put themselves back in. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah, like, or the, whatever they're called, they're like the wood things with the head and the arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you always watch in the cartoons and they like pull themselves out of it to like go back in, and then they go back into it. And it's like, they have the ability to take themselves out, at least in those videos. And it's a little more unrealistic, but that's how it is. Like Christ is there to help us and we can remove those chains from ourselves. There's like another cool thing kind of like when you if you take other scriptures into like I don't remember exactly where the scripture is but it talks about like Satan having a flaxen cord yes and one thing I liked about that somebody illustrated um, it's gonna be really odd reference here but it's like um, it's a visualization I think it's the movie I watched when I was like, I don't know, 13, 14, like it's the newer like Rides of the Planet of the Apes. So it's Planet of the Apes with the newer ones. I yeah, think it yeah, has James yeah. Franco, right? Yeah. And there's the part where he's like, they're in the zoo and uh, the ape, he takes the stick and he breaks it and then he takes two and it's harder to break and he's basically like, by ourselves we're weak, but together we are strong. Um, and it's like interesting because if you take a cord and you wrap it around one time, like it's fairly like I mean it's depending on the cord. Like cords have different strengths, like tensile strengths. But like the more you wrap a cord around, the harder it becomes to remove. Yeah. Um, and so when I was talking about like flexion cords, I like it's not a great metaphor. Like they don't really translate super well, but they kind of do. Like it, it has always worked as a visualization for me because like if you take. One, like if you were to take a cord and you put it around my like wrist, I can grab it and pull it open, right? But yeah. Two times around, it's a little harder. Hard, three yeah. times, like a pulley, the more times you put it over, like I think the more force it has. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's kind of the same with Satan. Like he doesn't really have to get us immediately with something. It doesn't have to be like murder right now, but like he'll just put like a, a thought in your head, yeah, and then another thought in your. And next thing, like it's, it very quickly becomes something you can't escape from um, this servitude to sin. Um, and going off of that, like the flaxen cord, I, I think it's somewhere in Second Nephi where it talks about like how Satan ties us up with the flaxen cord and he like carefully drags us down to hell. Um, 
I think that's interesting because the Flaxen Court isn't strong. And I think in and of itself, like, temptation and sin aren't strong forces. Um, there's a quote from an apostle somewhere that says, like, you don't know the power of temptation until you are able to resist it. And you realize how little power it actually has. And, like, flax and cord doesn't have power. Satan's rope of flax and whatever isn't strong. But maybe in and of itself, like, we feel safe because we feel, okay, we can break out. Yeah. But he is slowly wrapping us more and more as we go. It's a false sense of security. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it talks about how he carefully leads us to hell. Like Satan is very smart and he knows that the chains are weak or the rope that he has on us is weak, but he also is smart and he knows our weaknesses. He knows how to carefully drag us down to hell. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, kind of in and of itself, like having such a small thing make a big impact. Um, I, in like fifth grade, I did a, a science fair project and I ended up going to state and like, I don't say that to brag. I was in like fifth grade. So I'm pretty sure my dad did 99% of the work, you know? Um, but as a swimmer, I, a lot of things I did and related in my life when I was younger and even now are swim related. Um, and a lot of my metaphors and thoughts go back to swimming in practice. But in the science fair project, I was evaluating the amount of drag and the effects of drag when I would swim. Um, and I ended up relate, relating it later on to like drowning and the effects of drowning and like what you should do in a drowning scenario if you fall into a pool or whatever. But what I did for my, my experiment was I put on like a pair of jeans, a pair of shoes, a pair of socks, a shirt and a hoodie. And I jumped into the pool and I swam 25 yards and I timed myself. And then every time I finished 25 yards, I'd take an item of clothing off and I'd go in again. And swimming with full clothes on is hard. Like I would get tired pretty quickly. And I was in fifth grade, so I was tiny and a stick, but I got tired. But even though I was getting tired because I was doing this back to back, every time I took off an article of clothing, I still sped up. So I was still able to do a 25 yard swim faster than I had the time before. And I think about repentance, like clothes don't make a huge difference, but each time I took an article of clothing off as tired as I was, I still managed to swim a little bit faster. And uh, like sin in our lives, like we may have a lot of things, we may be making a lot of mistakes or we may just have a t-shirt on in the pool, you know, um, in that, that metaphor, but it doesn't have to be immediate. We don't have to take all of the sins off of us at once in order to swim faster. But repentance is meant to take time. Freedom and liberation from sin takes time. Um, and as we continue to go, as we continue to take off something else, the drag in our lives, what weighs us down is slowly less until we're in a little swimsuit, um, spiritually speaking, and we are able to continue to go in our lives. And I think it's really interesting that although I was becoming tired, repentance takes effort and it's tiring and it's difficult and it's hard, but it becomes easier as we go. Yeah. I think it's interesting 
to note as well that there is only there's no scripture there is only one name mm -hmm. like only one name under heaven by which man can be saved yeah and I think it's interesting that the only person that can set you free is Jesus Christ. And I think it goes in, I think you were saying earlier something about like, you can live a life without Jesus Christ, but you'll be slowed down a lot spiritually. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, you can, you can live a worldly life and be successful, Yeah. but you will be dragged down on the inside. Yeah. Spiritually, you will be suffering considerably. And but he is the one name and he can take that drag away, take the weight away. He can make us clean. Um, and I think that's, there's, there's something to be said about Jesus Christ being the only way. There is no counterfeit. There's no second option. No, there's no plan B. You have to, you have to, you have to bet on the savior of the world. You have to put, you have to, Put your faith in him you have to put your trust in him and you have to go that way that's the only option yeah and that's why i love this verse that we're talking about so much it just says if the son therefore shall make you free ye shall be free indeed like if that is what he's here to do he will do it and he is there to help us there is no okay it's too late for you to repent and at least while we're on this earth there is no, uh, like you cannot get better. You are too far gone, spiritually speaking. There is always a point of return. And um, he, he wants us to repent, that's the other thing. Like, yeah. As, like, as we, I think you talked about it last week, his arms are outstretched. Yeah. Like he wants us to come to him. He wants really bad to come to him. Otherwise he would not have come to the earth. Like he would not have come to the earth and suffered what he had to suffer and did what he had to do if he didn't want us to come to him and to repent. Like, it's, I'm, it's just very straightforward, you know yeah. what I mean? There's there's not too much to yeah. really say, except like, you, you simply wouldn't do it. Like, if he did not want, like, if he did not love us, he would not have done it. Yeah. Because love is the only thing that could have powered him to do it. Yeah. Motivated him to do it. I got the chills. <laughs> um, I, I do love that. I, I love how much the Savior loves us. And as we read the scriptures, like any scripture, um, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, all of them point to how much Jesus Christ loves us. And in and of itself, like the sole purpose of the plan of salvation is for us to rely on the Savior, and live with our Father in heaven again. In a nutshell, in the most simplified form, it's to live and rely on the Savior and return to live with our Father in heaven. And how willing and immediate he is at doing what he is here to do inspires me. And I think it should inspire all of us. And I think that's kind of where we want to go with our this week or our what do we call it yeah, our invitation Invit I don't know, our, like, our thought our thoughts are yeah but what is I don't 
did we decide on how we wanted to phrase it or do we just kind of want to go with it and see, see where it takes us? So we were thinking along the lines of this, this week to set the goal to figure out what in your life, what you're in servitude to in your life. Because I mean, Satan isn't just like, yeah, like you're doing sin, so you're in service to me. And it's not like, you know, we're in chains building a pyramid or some large building for him. Like servitude is generally something small. Um, generally something we don't really think is servitude, but if he convinces us at any point to not follow the sun, then he's got us doing the wrong thing. Um, and so just to figure out what in your life is kind of taking your time away from God, just kind of distracting you from following Jesus Christ. So what's holding you in servitude and let the sun make you free. Um, so set goals, do whatever you need to do so that that is not such a, such a distracting influence in your life. And that use that time you would have saved doing that to go follow Jesus Christ by helping people, by helping yourself, by loving, doing whatever you got to do. Yeah. I love that. I know I have been evaluating my life a lot the last two weeks. I think I mentioned that last week when we recorded. Um, and there's a lot of things that I've been able to identify that I could be so much better at um, recentering my life on the Savior. Um, and I'm super grateful for those things that I have changed. Um, I'm, I haven't been fast at it, and I've been slightly unmotivated at times. But those things that I have changed, even in the last two weeks, have made me feel like I'm on the right track. And although I'm not like 100% where I want to be, and I probably won't be forever until I die and I am resurrected and hopefully with our Heavenly Father again, but I, I don't have to be perfect immediately, but I am getting better. And I, I, knowing that the Savior is helping me with that and recognizing that has helped me a lot. And I know that it will for everyone else, of course. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We enjoy doing this and we are super excited Excited to continue. I, I, I have struggled with my studies this week and Cooper has reminded me the importance of how important it is because he is so incredibly good at reading the scriptures and I love that. And I'm super excited to be a little more focused next week and be a little more prepared. Um, we look forward to recording have a fantastic rest of your day.